Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people across Canada. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show. I hope you've had a chance to listen to the first two episodes of the show, Experiences Around Dying and Haunted Houses. In this episode, we'll be exploring real stories of unidentified flying objects. Unlike some of you, I know, for a fact, 100%, that there are really UFOs that are not simply misidentified crafts, Chinese lanterns, or swamp gases. Varied phenomena in the skies that appear to defy our current understanding of physics, but that are very real, seen by thousands of people, everyone from military pilots to airport crews to just ordinary people like you and me. This episode is going to be a little bit different. That's because, along with stories from listeners across Canada, I'll also be sharing my own story this time. I'll start the show with the final story that I recorded for it. Andreana came into the studio in Toronto, and we both shared our stories of UFO sightings. So the first time was about 10 years ago in Brantford, Ontario, and I'm standing on the driveway with some friends, and it's about midnight. I don't even know how I noticed it because it was so small, but I noticed it was moving. It went upwards really fast and then down really fast, and then it did like a loop. I was completely sober. My friends were smoking weed, and I'm like, hey guys, did you just see? Before I could even finish my sentence, my friend Ben was like, holy shit. We all just stood there in silence for like 10 minutes. It kept going, and then we went inside because we were so freaked out. The second time, okay. This was when I was 19, so six years ago. I'm driving Brantford to Paris, Ontario. It's like a 10 minute drive, and it's all through farmland. My mom is in the passenger seat, and I see three very bright, very big, pulsating orange lights and they were just like kind of over farmland i think it was a road called powerline road there's not much going on and they were just sitting there hovering i almost crashed into the ditch i'm like mom do you see that she was kind of trying to calm me down because i was freaking out and then i turned the corner trying not to crash the car again and i look and they were just gone i remember like obviously posting about it on facebook because i'm like i saw a weird in the sky and a few people from Brantford also said they had seen something similar from another end of the city. Not around the same time, but the same night. That was the summertime, early July. That was, that was around when I saw my UFO six years ago. What did you see? So I also saw orange orbs. Okay. Um, we were at the cottage on the balcony looking out at mm-hmm. the stars, and there was one that was really bright, so I thought it might be a planet or a satellite or something, but it didn't move. Like all the other stars move slowly as the planet is rotating. Yeah. And all the satellites, of course, move. But this one stayed in the same position for over half an hour. So I pointed it out to my then girlfriend. Do you notice that star? And she said, yeah, what is that? It's really bright. And it wasn't just bright. It also, it looked almost kind of like it was pulsating in a weird way with light. And then the next thing we know, it was just closer. Like it just instantly was closer. Move right up. You couldn't tell how far it was away, but suddenly it was like two kilometers away. We're on a small lake mm-hmm. and it's about 
a kilometer across the lake and we're just in the cove of the lake and it was just on the other side of this kind of swampy area you could tell it was like above the swampy area and it was really bright again it like jumped like it like it instantly like teleported and it was over the lake and so it was about roughly 500 meters away and as we're looking at it the one bright light splits into three lights and they're orange and then it goes back into one and it's like this bright white light and then it splits and then they're different colors like pink and yellow and blue and they go back and like they change colors they do that like three times our hearts are racing we're freaking out then the next thing we know i say are you feeling that in your head and my girlfriend's like yeah what is that and i'm feeling this pulsing in my head like it was like I've had an MRI before where they put you in the MRI machine so had she coincidentally enough Mm -hmm. and when you're in there the the magnetic resonance is like vibrating your eardrums or something in this very weird it was that sensation again that's so weird oh my god (laughs) she freaks out and says let's go inside I don't want to stay outside at all yeah so we go inside we walk into the bedroom on the other side um, of the cottage and she gets in bed and hides under the blanket. <laughs> and the next thing I know, a small orb of light, maybe six inches or so in diameter, okay. comes through one wall and then goes through the other wall. That's so freaky. And I just had this moment where I was like, it can see us in here. Hello, I know you're there. That's insane oh my god i don't know what i would do (laughs) after seeing that ufo i was never the same no truth that wasn't the first paranormal thing i'd seen far from it i'll have more stories for later episodes and it wasn't the final time i saw a ufo either i read more about ufos i found the works of jacques Vallée and considered many different possibilities to explain what I'd seen. Everything from interdimensional life forms to something with the ability to hack our minds. Aliens from another planet actually seem like the least plausible explanation the more you think about it. What do we have that aliens would need to travel across the universe to get? Why would they care anything about us? Just another sentient species in a universe likely full of countless others. I still maintain my skepticism, and I still know when a story that's told to me has a mundane, simple explanation. But I know that there are truly weird things out there. And with that, I'll get to the rest of the stories in this episode. Like me, the next storyteller, Justin, was deeply affected by his experience of encountering unidentified flying objects. He had always been curious and interested in them, but he was lucky enough to actually get to finally see them for himself two times and with other witnesses. I spoke to Justin from Big White Resort in British Columbia, who shared his stories about those two times he saw UFOs. This first story was with my best friend, Nilo, back in Edmonton, where I am from. We've actually been interested in aliens and, like, extra-dimensional stuff since we were kids. He was the one person I could always talk to about this stuff and just kind of be a weird kid with. We were hanging out in our backyard on a trampoline, just looking at the stars. It was a pretty clear night. There were some clouds in the sky, but most of the stars were out. At a certain point, all of a sudden, I see this orb come out of nowhere, like above us, 
probably about like 50 to 100 feet in the sky. It wasn't very big at all, like no bigger than probably a car or something, like a really big van. It was perfectly spherical. It came out and it was the color of the clouds. As soon as I saw it, I uh, pointed at it and I just said, yo, because I really couldn't master anything else besides that. And as soon as I point to it, Nilo, my buddy, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was coming towards us, and as it was coming towards us, after a split second, six other spheres, the exact same size and color, joined it to form a perfect triangle. So the first sphere would have been in like the bottom three, the other two joined beside it, and then the other three were above it, so it was a perfect um, triangle pyramid they weren't floating like they didn't fly as if they weren't moving but they were bouncing kind of up and down like uh, in unison together so they all flew in a perfect formation bouncing in unison kind of flowing up and down and up and down it looked like they were riding waves or something as soon as they reached the edge of the house they all flew away and split off and just disappeared altogether. it was only like a maybe five second thing <laughs> and then we were both just left there like in complete awe you know you're really lucky that you were with someone else when you saw it because most people see ufos by themselves and so no one can corroborate it and they they can't be sure so it's very lucky that that he was there as well i'm always lucky to have people around me with these things so um the other one would have been five years later at my uncle's wedding. So the first one would have been like back when I was like 16, 17, like 10 years ago. My uncle got married at North Buck Lake in Alberta. We're all sitting there and it was nighttime, perfectly dark. We have this campfire where we always sit around and joke. There was about like 20 people left over from the party. So um, we were all sitting around the campfire. I was feeling pretty depressed at the time. I was kind of really introverted in my head. I wasn't paying attention. All of a sudden, my auntie stands up and starts screaming, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? What is that in the sky? And she points in the sky. We all look up and there's this orb about half the size of the sun, like where the sun sits in the sky and you can actually see it. It was about half the size of that, slowly making its way across the sky. It was actually this deep burning orange. I can't describe the color it was because I've never seen a color like that before. There's this tiny black hole that forms in the middle of it and slowly starts to eat the entire orb. Finally, everybody's quiet. We're watching this thing. It's not making a sound. I'm like trying to find words here. The little black hole slowly eats the center of the orb. So it's no longer an orb. It's this like glowing ring. It flickers three times. I see it and it's back. And then the third flicker, it just disappears. I remember bringing it up like a year later and they actually didn't want to talk about it. It kind of bothered them. It sits inside me to this day. I actually, when I think about it, I get wicked excited. That actually made me feel like home for some reason. I don't know, it's hard to explain. The next storyteller also hails from BC. I spoke to William over the phone from Vancouver, and he told me about crashes that had happened back near his home in Manitoba, as well as about his father's possible involvement with UFOs through the military when he had a position as chief engineer on the distant early warning line in the Arctic North. There was a disc that crashed through the ice over St. Laurent about 2015. There's no stories where 
run on it. Everything that was on YouTube and everything that was on local news, nothing. It all disappeared real quick, and the military was out there in a shot of a gun under that ice, digging whatever crash there out. We had one Falcon Lake UFO crash in the 60s. Same thing. Military's out there, no news, covered up, gone away. That's all I really know about it. I tried to watch on the news and stuff, but there wasn't much about it. It was just a quick blip on the local news and then it disappeared. What happens also, the U.S. military gets to go and cover it up too. Funny you should mention the military. My father's name is Chief Warrant Officer Dennis Hume, 36 years service, highly exemplary, highly decorated soldier. This guy gets dragged into the Arctic all the time, periodically, on a, on a whim's notice. We try and find out what my father did for a living. <laughs> what he did was redacted paperwork, apparently, because it's all blocked out. But he used to tease us at the dinner table all the time. He'd say, you know, you better smarten up. The little green men are going to get you. My mom would say, hey, 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 Dennis, don't start that. And he'd look at her with that look. You know what I'm talking about. You think little green men don't exist? You think Martians don't exist? <laughs> and that's all he would say. He did a lot of work on the radar systems up in alert. Did a lot of work on the early warning systems. So I guess that they had a lot of UFO activity up there. Big time. If he was working on the radar systems, he would have seen these things coming in at, you know, 5,000 miles per hour, whatever crazy speed. He would have been someone who would have been contacted about that. Kidding? He's the chief engineer because he was a combat engineer. He was the chief engineer in charge of the projects. The old man's nickname is Chief. And you're totally okay with me uh, sharing this whole story yep. though, right? Oh yeah, yep, most definitely. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Give you a story that I've never heard? Give you an experience that didn't happen? These are the problems with the whole UFO sightings. So you never get to the bottom of the truth is all the fake stories, you know, all the made up stuff. I hope you're enjoying the stories in this episode. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to get the newest episodes as soon as they're out. And if you like the show, tell a friend about it so that more people hear it. That's what it's all about. If you have a supernatural story of your own that you think should be shared on the show, you can go to supernaturalstories.ca or facebook.com slash supernaturalpodcast. As well as that, if you ever want to contribute anything at all to the production of the show, there's a page where you can do that at patreon.com slash supernatural stories. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash supernatural stories. To tell this next story, Andrew came into the studio, which is not far at all from his encounter with an unidentified flying object above the old mill in Toronto. A site that I might add is also known to be haunted. Here's his description of the event. It was about 2007, 2008. Uh, I was hanging out with my girlfriend, having a bonfire with friends near Old Mill Subway Station, which is also by Old Mill, the restaurant slash hotel. There's like a little river. I think it's either the Humber River or it's one of its tributaries. I have a car that I lay on the hood and just look up at the stars, like that 70s show. If you ever watch Donna and Eric, that's pretty much what I always dreamed of doing when I got my car. Let me get a car with a flat hood so I can lay on it and stare at the stars. You know, like, take it from me, like, I've looked at the stars for hundreds of hours that night. We are just kind of looking at the stars and stuff like that. We saw the space station, looking at different planes and stuff. We kind of noticed this, it looked around the brightness of a star, not much more than that, but it was moving a hell of a lot faster than even the space station was moving. And it was moving what looked like 
kind of in the atmosphere. It was brighter than the space station by about two or three times. So it had to have been closer, but it was high enough that it wasn't a plane. And it wasn't one of those stratospheric planes. Those planes go high over, but they go very slow. You know, when you look at the horizon, you can kind of tell how fast something's moving based on how many seconds it takes to cross the horizon. You see a jet during the air show. It takes maybe 20, 30 seconds to get across the sky. And it's going maybe Mach 1, Mach 2. Old Mill is very flat, so you have kind of a panoramic view of the sky. This light was kind of going slowly at first. It would kind of make turns. It wouldn't change direction like any normal plane would. It would change direction by abruptly turning. Pressure suits for jets, you can only take so many Gs. Those turns, if you're going as fast as they were going, when you turn at high Gs, a lot of stress and elongation is placed on the airframe. If the frame's too rigid, it'll shatter. Or if it's too flexible, then it'll wear out over time like a paperclip. But you could theoretically design a plane that could withstand the G-forces. The humans inside would have to be in something that's beyond a flight suit. A flight suit can maybe help you up to like six, seven, eight Gs. But if you turn 90 degrees, not a swooping arc, Chuck Yeager survived 45 Gs. But I think he was blind for a few hours after or something like that. And if the military is experimenting with some kind of crazy fired airplane, they're definitely not going to fly it over the largest city in Canada. It makes absolutely no sense. If they crash, if it's seen, everything about it, whatever it was, doesn't really sound like any normal. You know, even with all the crazy experimental crafts that I've read about, none of the experimental crafts that I've read about have matched something like this. When it finally left, it streaked across the sky from one side to the other, then it kind of turned and then looked like it left the atmosphere. And when it does, kind of that tail, it kind of looked like the clouds were being pulled up with it. And then it leaves and those clouds kind of dissipate and they're gone, almost like a contrail because it was so dark at night. I would start pulling people, literally people were on the bike trail. The first couple people that I pointed at, they were just like, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just serious. Oh, it's, it's a star. But the next few people were looking at it and they were saying, well, that actually doesn't make any sense. Why the hell is it moving so fast? You'd see them kind of turn back after they left, still looking at it, pointing at it. So they obviously thought that it was important enough to continue talking about even after they left me. Yeah, it's something that I didn't really think about for a long time until until I saw your post. Then I kind of started thinking about it again. Yeah, you know what? When was the last time that I saw that? And it was, you know, almost a decade ago. A little while ago, I made a Facebook post asking for information about haunted houses in Manitoba. A friend from a Winnipeg Facebook group told me that I might want to look into haunted locations in and near the town of Selkirk, Manitoba. I joined a Facebook group called Meanwhile in Selkirk, and from there I was put in touch with Cheryl. Cheryl told me about how her life has become a constant series of supernatural stories. Encounters with spirit that combine with her own near-death experience have given her an inspiring spiritual view of life despite many tragedies. Right after that long conversation of storytelling, she told me about three fantastic UFO sightings. First, she described how her sisters were actually abductees. Then she told about the time she saw UFO as a child. And finally, she shared a sighting that many people in town saw and that her cousin was lucky to escape from 
unzapped. We lived out in the country. We've seen UFOs. My sister had one in Edmonton. Uh, they were transported out of the car and they lost like eight hours. They don't know what happened. My sister, who didn't drive, was in the driver's seat and my other sister was in the passenger seat. Yeah, and they have these scars on their like little scabs and I get them once a year, every year for the past 20 something years since this happened to them, they get these little dots in between their fingers and their toes. When that happened to them, it's the anniversary, they'll get these little, like they said, like scabs and they, they get itchy. And um, yeah, they had those on their body and they had these three little marks on the back of their ears behind their earlobe. They don't know where they went. They, they lost eight hours. The, the clock radio to her vehicle had stopped. They have dreams of aliens, and I told them, go see a medium or go see these people. They'll help you, you know, but they're always too scared to because they're too scared to let people find out and then they'll think they're crazy. Yeah. But it's more common than people think, you know. I was like eight, nine years old, and my friend was sleeping over, and there was this... My mom and dad laughed at me, but I knew what me and my friend seen. We were terrified. And it came right over top of our house. There was no sound to it. And that's why my mom and dad laughed at me because they said I imagined it. If it had been a plane, they would have heard it, right? But it had little windows around the, the on the front of it. And it was so low that the, the hydro wires were vibrating from, it wasn't wind. I, I don't even know what it was, but it was like, a vibration almost and it was kind of like that and it made the wires do that and it kind of like it was so low that I could see tracks two long tracks underneath it but we seen the windows at the front and it just came over top of us and then we ran to the corner which was only a house away because we lived in the country it was just all field and we just seen that thing just shoot off up into the sky and it was gone. Me and my friend, we talked about that for weeks, but we were kind of shunned because, you know, we got laughed at. Oh, you're crazy. You didn't, you, you didn't see something like that. It wasn't a UFO. It was a, you know, and it's like, so we didn't talk about it after that. You know, we were only like young, like nine, maybe 10 at the time, you know. I was going back, uh, my community and I was on the highway and I seen this orange light and it looked like you know those street lamps they're orange mm -hmm. well that's what I seen over top of the bush and illuminated the whole top of the bush I drove off the highway and onto the gravel road and I followed it and as I followed it it just kind of just stayed in the sky and it, it got brighter like the whole the whole bush was just bright orange. It, it was in, in a marsh, actually, where that light was. And it turned out, like, the whole community, it's a small community, a whole bunch of them drove over there because everybody's seen it. And they were taking pictures of it and videotaping it. And it just took off. But it stayed over top of that bush for, like, at least five minutes where everybody's seen it. Then my cousin, him and his friend, they were... They were on their bikes, and uh, they had flashlights. And they went over to where it was, 
closest as they could get to it. And they took their flashlights and they started flashing where the light was. They said all of a sudden, this beam came shooting towards them where they were on the road with their bikes. Because they had stopped, eh? In the middle of the road. And they freaked. They got so terrified. They just dropped their flashlights, took off on their bikes, running, and then the beam just disappeared. And then that's when the light shot straight up in the sky. And, like, not just I saw it, a whole bunch of people seen it in the community. We continued to see that light maybe from the spring to late fall. And then we didn't see it again. The next storyteller had no fear when she experienced a close encounter with a UFO. Jody shared this story over the phone from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where she saw a flying saucer behind her house. This was probably about 10 years ago. I was in my parents' house, and I was by the back door, looking out into the backyard. I just saw, like, a little a little saucer shape in the sky with red and white lights on it. And it was turning. And I just went outside to look closer and it disappeared. Like it shot in the air with the trail and went like a little to the right and into the clouds really quickly and then disappeared. It was way quicker than a plane could move or anything and went straight up in the air. And did it make any sound? No sounds at all. Strangely enough, I felt very calm and like drawn towards it. Everyone asks what it looks like. All I saw was a shape in light. And I definitely don't know of any aircraft that shoots up in the air like that. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories. It's been my pleasure to host this first episode on UFOs, and I look forward to bringing you more true stories of the unexplained, told by interesting people from across Canada. This next story will be the final one in this episode. I spoke to Coogan from Markham, Ontario, about a UFO he saw on the way to Stouffville. Afterwards, he also shared some uniquely spooky ghost stories that you'll get to hear in a later episode. This was around April of last year. It was a weekday, perfect weather, around 11 o'clock at night. I was driving up to Stovall, Highway 67, APA, ninth line. Right after you pass Stovall, it becomes very desolate. There's no houses, no trees, and it gets very hilly, right before you hit Muffleman's Lake. I'm at the bottom of the hill, and it looks like there's a car at the top of the hill with tie beams on. I don't think nothing of it, you know, maybe someone's just parked inside the road. So, uh, you know, I started driving along, realizing, wow, that car has some really bright headlights. <laughs> and I start cresting the hill, and I'm realizing, wait a second, those headlights are not on the ground. They're in the sky. Basically, by the top of the hill, you can see a big water tower. So I figured, okay, maybe someone's working on top of the water tower, and there's a spotlight there. So I get to the top of the hill and it turns out the water tower is on the other side of the road and the lights are nowhere near it. 
what's actually what I'm seeing is that the lights are right on top of Musselman's light. They're just in the sky, orangey, yellow in color. So I decided to do a little investigation and I drive down to the lake and uh, sure enough, there's a big light right there in the sky, um, just on top of the lake, not moving, there's no sounds, there's no smells, nothing. You realize this was a fairly sizable orb. It looked like, you know, like a, a large plane or something like that, except it was quite high in the sky and just standing still. If we're comparing it to, let's say, an apartment building, I'd say it was maybe 15 stories up. You can tell there was an outline. And uh, there's a bunch of people looking around, too. There was maybe six or seven witnesses of this. We're just looking at it for maybe five, ten minutes. Then this light starts changing colors. It goes like a dark orange. And then it just zooms away at an impossible speed. You no, know, like, uh, afterburners from, like, a jet engine or anything like that. So... And everyone around us was like, you know, what the hell is that? And, you know, none of us could explain it. And it was literally just a big blurb of light staying still in the sky, changed color, and just zoomed off 20 minutes after I first saw it. There's an older fellow there, um, I think his name was uh, Darren Zikovitz. And he was there watching light with the rest of us. And he said when he was little, maybe this guy's around 65 years old, when he was around seven or eight, he grew up on. Lake Simcoe, and he said he saw the exact same thing with his dad one night around the same time of year, but except it was a different color. He saw a big red orb instead. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. The music used in this show was by David Conton with his song Umbrella Fashion Police, Ben Sound with Sci-Fi, The Proper Ornaments with Recalling, Anonymous 420 with We Fall, and Emerald Therapy by Audionautics. The rest were original tracks made for the show. If you want to contribute anything towards the production of the show, a buck or two, you can go to patreon.com supernaturalstories, and if you have a story of your own you can contribute, you can do that at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time.